Kate identified a member of her team to invest time into and then met with them to find an initiative that they cared about that also moved the company forward and then empowered them to achieve it. This statement is an example of an action value statement from a Leaderbit challenge titled Empowering People. Wouldn't it be great if every week your people were taking the same actions that the greatest technology leaders on earth do? Have your direct reports be like Kate by enrolling them in the Leaderbits leadership program. Each week, your direct reports will spend 10 minutes taking action and growing as a leader. You can even track their progress and hold them accountable to improve as a leader. Leaderbits.io is the only leadership program built specifically for technologists. Learn more at leaderbits.io. Now get excited because today we are talking to Mike Montero, the co-founder and CTO of Resi, and we discuss how a company's culture reflects that of its leadership, the benefits of in-house development, and how developers aren't paid to write code, they're paid to ship code. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. actually uh, just getting like my team they give me all the insights all the cool behind the scenes research they find okay. you know about everybody and you're like you're a geek like me since since a young a young little individual young little carbon based life form <laughs> it, it start it started young for sure so you started what was your first computer uh commodore 64 i was uh probably 12 or 13 and uh, my family was mostly a bunch of artists and writers. And so, uh, but I looked at the thing and was like, I need to understand what this thing does. I'd always like loved taking the, um, you know, the alarm clock and opening it up and looking at what it did inside. And so I, for some reason, I knew the computer was expensive enough that I shouldn't open it up or that might've been the first thing I did. <laughs> um, but then I learned about programming. I was like, okay, this is a way to get on the inside without actually wrecking it because my parents would have killed me. And I started, uh, I started learning how to code about, about 13. So you saw the alarm clock and you're like, that's something I could break and not get in trouble. Yeah, I'll be all right. <laughs> I, I really want to know what it does, how, how the inside looks. Because it was like, you know, one of those early digital ones. So I just wanted to know what it looked like. But I knew, man, if I tear this computer apart, my parents are going to kill me because it's so expensive. So what are you really pumped up about? I mean, I'm watching the growth of Resi. It's looking fantastic. But what, what are you really excited about that's happening like this week right now? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you saw, we did our first annual product summit on, uh, on Tuesday. Oh, nice. How'd that go? Uh, it was incredible. We, we, we basically announced uh, five new products. So what? yeah, big, big, big time innovation in the, uh, in the hospitality tech space. But we, we announced RGS, Resi Global Service. Uh, which is essentially a a platform that allows us to integrate all of the supply and demand from any company anywhere in the world like Resi so that we can all share um, reservations and users. And we've, we're launching with two partners. We announced, we, we acquired a company last year called uh, Servi. So we, we announced sort of the, the, the V1 integration of comprehensive surveys we announced Resi Select, which is our take on a loyalty program. It's pretty pretty innovative. It's like we, we can't stop getting requests from people for more info. Uh, we announced Resi Fly, which is by far the biggest thing we're doing, a brand new, slick, very, very technically interesting 
um, inventory management system and a new resi.com. So we've, we've got a, for, for, you know, for however far into the year we are, it's, it's, we're, we're taking a very, very big swing this year. I've got some questions now. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I, I've got answers. All right. When you said Resi Global Service, and it, it kind of reminded me, like, could, could you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, so the the basic idea is that so we have. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we have a partnership with Airbnb. We did an okay. API integration with them. Pretty, pretty. Again, very technically sophisticated. Certainly groundbreaking in the industry. But if you go to Airbnb.com or open up the app, you can book restaurant reservations through Airbnb. We have, we, together we have built that. It's largely powered by Resi's API. So we have a pipeline, a, a two-way pipeline between uh, Resi and Airbnb and Airbnb and back. So that means that Airbnb guests can discover and book reservations from the Airbnb, uh, restaurant reservations from the Airbnb app. So there's a lot of things you want to do. You're going on a vacation. You've rented a home. You're going to be there for a week. Let us book you five amazing uh, dinner reservations. So we, we, we essentially, by virtue of that um, connection, have a pipeline directly to 200 million yearly travelers. That's, that's the size of Airbnb's network. So, but, but with Air, Resi expanded to, we're now in uh, eight, 15 countries total, we're trying to create as much coverage as we can for Airbnb's travelers. So there are, we're in Paris, we're in Madrid and Barcelona. We announced the uh, acquisition of Club Caviar in Spain. We're in Dublin, but there's a whole bunch of places in the world that we aren't. So we're not in, uh, we're not in the Netherlands, for example. And there's an, our amazing partner there, Formatabla. Uh, they're just like Resi. They have amazing restaurants and all this technology. And they would love to be in front of 200 million uh, Airbnb travelers. So we've created a standard. Um, it's a it's a tech standard and a bunch of APIs that you impl- that both Resi has implemented and the partner implements. And once the pipes are hooked up in about three to five weeks of tech integration, you're, we are passing supply and demand between each other. And then there's sort of a multiplying effect. We add Restaurando who has 5,000 restaurants in Latin America. And all of a sudden, we have 10,000 restaurants in the network and all of that data is going back and forth between every partner involved. Yeah, so here's where you threw me. You, you, you just passed it so casually. I know. My, my understanding <laughs> of it's accurate because I, I almost like went off on this tangent about how great it was and I'm like, hold on a second, I'm going to back up and have it explain a little bit more because I don't know if I got it right off the bat. No, I got it right off the bat. You guys just like changed the game and you're like, yeah, 105, boom, just pass it up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because it, it's, 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 an, it's, an un, it's our moonshot and we're, we're there. We're gonna, it's going to be live. But it's this like highly technical thing. It's not, you know, fly is incredibly sexy. If you're a restaurant operator, you look at fly and you get it. I can show you screens. RGS is, you know, it's it's bits and bytes. But but admittedly, it's uh, it's it's huge and it's going to bring extraordinary value to. So far, there are now four partners in the network. We'll announce a bunch more coming. But it's going to bring an extraordinary amount of value to everybody in the network. Well, yeah. And then, so, I mean, it's like, you're like NASDAQ, right? You're like the platform in which these reservations are occurring, right? I, I mean, my, my, my goal as a CTO, I want a hundred percent of restaurant reservations in the world to somehow touch some piece of technology that we've built or are part of, or, or are offering up to restaurants We're, you'll see us start offering a lot of, you know, call it, um, you know, you know, inventory management as a service, software as a service, 
to, you know, companies like Resi that are, you know, hey, you know, inventory management is really hard. Well, we're really, really good at it. And we're putting a ton of resources behind it. We have, we're going to have the best inventory management system on the planet. We want to make this stuff available to everybody. We want to integrate with everybody. We want the restaurant industry and our partners to be thrilled and for diners to be thrilled. And so, you know, we're, we're taking, we're taking a, a pretty big shot. So this is amazing. But now I've got to know, like, how did this specific project come about? So, so Airbnb, uh, we started talking to Airbnb and they basically said, we, we want to start, you know, we, when, a, when a person travels with us, we want to be able to offer them all of the things that they're looking for. They're looking for local experiences like pasta making with a pro in Italy. Oh, wow. Uh, but, but in that, that, and that's a business that they've been running and have had huge success with. But they said, now we know that lot, when, when people travel, they need to eat and lots of people tr- build their vacation around where they're going to eat. So they, they started thinking, we, we want to offer restaurant reservations in a way that nobody else is. They approached us and said, what do you think? And we said, listen, the, the whole, our whole DNA is around openness and APIs. And of course, we can give you API access the same way that our apps have access and we can do a, a tight integration. And we started talking about it. It very quickly became clear that we wanted to do things that were much harder than the basics, including a full two-way um, messaging uh, integration. So restaurants can message Airbnb guests anywhere in the world to the Airbnb app oh, and so reply. Yeah, replying in the Airbnb app will go all the way back through to the restaurant. Payment, all payment occurs using your Airbnb wallet. So there's no insecure exchange. They, they deal with all the money. It's, but but we, we came along and said, we're going to do this really, really difficult integration that no one's done before. And we did it. We pulled it off and it's incredible. Yeah, that's and a lot of endpoints, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, man. It's, it's, you know, it, it's a surprising, given how large they are, it's a surprising uh, amount, amount of tech. But, but, but the beautiful part is that we integrated one way to Airbnb and they integrated one way to us. So I didn't create new endpoints. They're using all the same, essentially all the same plumbing and, and, and endpoints, quite frankly, that uh, my own apps use. So maintenance is really low. That's the idea, right? Yeah. As we add features, they automatically become available to Airbnb. But, but we started saying to ourselves, well, so the relationship included, okay, you're going to do this for us, and now we want coverage. Because, because we've got the, the pipes hooked up. We did the hard part. Now we just, everywhere our travelers go, we want restaurant recommendations. And we said, okay, we're going to expand internationally, which we've done. But how can we acquire restaurants even faster? And we thought, let's find partners just like Resi that think the way we think and that have the DNA that we have. Nice. And let's hook them up to the pipe. Let's just see if we can do it. And it turned out to be, uh, it, you know, a, a set of API standards that the partner integrates on their side and that we've integrated on our side. And we've got, we've got two partners pumping, you know, pumping in uh, restaurant reservations and Airbnb is going to be pumping back uh, bookings to them in the next, hopefully a couple of weeks. Oh man. Well, you definitely have to have a great team to pull this off. How did the company get started as a whole? So, so, uh, so Gary V and I were having conversations about doing something. Ben Leventhal, my partner and the CEO uh, and the founder of Eater and Gary were having conversations about doing something. 
And I, I'm, I'm the tech guy. So it was like this moment of serendipity. Well, Ben's got this idea and we're, we all know each other. Let's get together and, and try to do something. And the original, the original vision, uh, which Ben had sort of formulated over you know, a very long history of, of loving, being obsessed about and knowing restaurants, he said, uh, pardon the analogy, but I want to be Uber <laughs> for restaurant reservations. Like I want to walk out of my house. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I want to eat in 30 minutes. I want an amazing dinner at a great place. So we launched the product initially to sell uh, hot, hot restaurants, uh, reservations at the best restaurants last minute. And so the, 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 rev, the revenue would be split between us and the restaurant. We would guarantee the inventory. It would be this amazing relationship. We came out, users loved us, restaurants loved us, the press thought we were scalping. They thought it was horrible. Yeah. Um, and over time, I think we just started building relationships with restaurants and proving both that we could deliver on the tech and we can deliver on the diners. And so we started getting questions like, hey, can you build this? And we'd be like, sure. And can you build this? And sure. And it became pretty evident that what we were being asked to build was essentially a replacement to whatever they were using at the time to manage their inventory. There was a lot of there was a lot of like half baked stuff around the industry because I I mean I've personally just seen a lot of it out of my own consumer frustration with like oh maybe this is the solution right to a consistent booking with like a great experience and I'm like nope <laughs> yeah <laughs> right I, I, yeah I mean I you know I and I, I think I think what we're going to argue there is that all of these you know the the large incumbents were, were built 10 15 years ago the world's yeah. changed the way restaurants operate have changed what users expectations have changed and they're having you know the the, the bigger players in the space just haven't done anything to really address those changes in a meaningful technology forward way. Lucky you. That, yeah, lucky <laughs> us, right? Huge, huge opportunity. But, you know, that's why when Resi started, there was a burst of people on the scene. I think most of them have, have, have fallen away. But, but because a lot of people at the same time sort of identified, you know, the days of a couple of players with closed systems, making it really, really hard for restaurants to operate, those days are over. And in every industry. In every industry, yeah. fair enough, right? Yeah. right that, that's, that's sort of the exciting thing. And, and we see that on the POS side and, and other places. But and, and we took our shot. And I, I think we're really, really good at restaurants because we love them. And we're really, really good at tech. And so we've, we've started. And, and Tuesday was about us saying, you know, you might not have been looking at us. And you Pay might consider now. us a little startup. Yeah, <laughs> the days, those days are over. Like, we're it now. Oh, you guys are, you're past the, will they make it? And you're into the hyper, like how fast are they going to grow? You know, like the, yeah. you're going to hit multiple headlines. What? 20%, 100%, 200%. It's like, ooh, it's an exciting uh, ride to watch. So how, how did, you said Ben and Gary, right? How did, you knew these guys already when you got in, into business with them. How did you initially meet them pre-Resi? Oh, man. So I had never met Ben. Gary introduced us. But, but back in, I don't even remember, 2004 or five or something. Well, anyway, I, I founded a company called Photolog back in 2002 with Scott Heiferman, yeah. uh, an entrepreneur that I'm in love with. He went on to do uh, Meetup. Yep, Meetup. Yeah. He and I founded Photolog as a side project. We built uh, Photolog. It was like a rousing success. It was huge. It was a $90 million exit. But, but uh, you know, I, my sister had come to me and said, she, she, she and her husband are entrepreneurs in, in, in Oakland, hey, you know, we, we know this photo thing you're doing, but there's this whole video thing going on now. And the person that they referenced was Gary Vee. 
So we went on to build essentially a product we called On Fuego, because why not pick a horrible name? Right. <laughs> it, it was a video upload product. And we supported every video type so that people could upload their own videos and the world could watch them. So this was in 04. Um, we, but Gary was the inspiration. I think we emailed him and there was a, a small exchange with him around what we were doing. Because at the time, he was doing all this uh, vlogging, which was blowing up and blowing him up. So a couple, this is a, this oh, is, so you knew Gary, like pre Gary. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I knew him. We, we may interacted. Yeah. We interacted yeah. with each other, but, but he, but he certainly was a part of the inspiration. Oh, awesome. Um, and, and, and this is me bragging a little bit, but I, I hadn't spoken to him and I was working a job and I started interviewing for a, a company here in New York. And one of the investors of that company's direct competitor called me because I happened to know him. And he said, I hear you're interviewing with my investments direct competitor. And that's unacceptable because you're going to make my investments life harder if you become the CTO. So super flattering to me. He said, I want you to give me a chance to help you find something else to do before you go do that. And I said, okay, I, I have a lot of respect for him. I said, let's talk. I met him and he said, you and Gary should catch up because you two should definitely do something together. And he, he wants to do some stuff. So I met him again. I said, Hey, how's it going? What's up? We started talking and he said, we're, we're going to do something. I've got a couple of things percolating. Let's see what happens. And uh, over, I don't even know, it was a couple of months. We just on and off meeting, talking. And then he called me one day and said, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I, I've got the idea. Uh, I've, got, I've got the other partner. Like, we're going to do this. And we met and it was easy. It, was, it made perfect sense to all of us. We whiteboarded a few times and that was it. Two, two and a half, three months later, we were live. Yeah. And then it wasn't like a brand new thing, right? Because the different co-founders had experience in the space, right? Ben co-founded Eater, right? Yeah. And then Gary with the wine, right? Wine. Yep. And then you with the technology. So you guys, like, it was a nice trifecta of coming together of experience. Yeah. And then, and then even, you know, even better is you, you throw on Gary's, you know, incredible competency around user acquisition and social media marketing. Well, and that all just that goes stuff. without, that's just everybody. Right? Should know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, right. I know. Right. And, uh, but but yeah, I mean, it, in many in many respects, you know, you couple it with Ben's sort of knowledge of the industry and the people he knows, and the you know, nothing is better than being able to have direct access to your customer in a real, very legitimate way. And so we could call on you know some great restaurant operators and say, "What can we build for you that you're going to buy?" And we did that a lot. And um, you know, I've done this for a long time, so building the software and building out a team or what I'm good at. And so we, there was, you know, it was, we, we did, we went, it was a straight line on, on the first version. And then there was, I hate to use this term, but then there was the pivot, so to speak. <laughs> uh, so it's not quite straight, but once we knew, okay, we're going to start building a full inventory management system, full front of house management system, that line was straight. And we've been, just been on it ever since. So, you know, that this, uh, podcast this whole show and the book and everything was inspired by gary oh was it really yeah i didn't even know you That's two amazing. were connected till 15 minutes before the show by the way oh, yeah. i had yeah, no yeah, idea yeah. you're on my show it's like on my show notes is like oh you did with gary i was like oh that's cool because that's a good talking point yeah this whole thing started because um gary came through my feed right and then i'm like who's this crazy dude right and i 
ignored it. And a couple months later, it came through my feet again. And then I had a break in like in between things I was doing, right? Like a breathing moment to where I learned or was, you know, in, intentional about learning. And so I, I started following him some more and I was like, all right, I really liked how he talks about customer value and then giving back. And I really liked his giving, giving, giving. And then, so I said, all right, well, at the same time, I'm getting lots of questions doing private equity due diligence for um, startups, right? For technology. And the same things kept coming up over and over. So I said, you know what, I'll, I'll start writing about it. And that'll be like my way of kind of giving back. And then, so I gave back and then boom, like crazy people started replying, like thousands of shares, comments. And I was like really surprised they were finding them off of organic searching. Right. And then, um, from there I decided, you know, decided, well, you know what, why don't I take this guy, Gary's advice, right? I, I listed it out. I started paying attention to him. I completely like immersed myself in everything he says. So I get a full understanding of how he thinks because that's the best way to do it. Right. And, and I said, I'm going to take this guy's advice and I'm going to just purely execute it for 90 days. And that's going to be me doing my life science thing. See if it works. Right. So I, I do it. I start, I make my, my little to-do list, like what would Gary do? And then I said, all right, here's the plan. I'm going to execute for 90 days. And within the first 30 days, boom, like, like it was, you didn't, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for it. So like, wait, tell me, tell me what, what was the, what was the idea for the first 90 days? So I'll, I'll actually go back and get it for you. Uh, but the, the idea was that I would reach out and help people based off of my, my 17 years of experience in programming and my decade of experience leading teams and, you know, building technology teams and scaling them. So I said, I'm just going to start reaching out to people and offering them help and having conversations with them about what I've learned, sharing experiences and just being there and just putting myself out into the world because I was slightly intro, well, I was primarily introverted, right? I knew my investors, I had my relationships with my equity teams and I built my teams and I built my products, but I was mostly internal, right? And I said, I'm going to start talking more to people. And so I started reaching out, helping people, writing, sharing my writings, helping, giving small talks, stuff like that. And then just like insane. I started getting emails every day. Then the emails started bumping out. Right now I get between 16 and some days low end, it's like 16 high end, like 40 emails a day. People asking me for help now. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised if you, if you look at the amount of tech, I mean, first of all, guys like us, just in New York alone, I mean, there, there are a thousand ideas for every one person who's able to build a team and put the tech together or even yes. build the tech for that matter. So I'm sure if, I mean, I, I think I, I don't I don't think I've done my part nearly as, as as big as you have. And that's I can see where you'd get a lot of that from Gary because his message in that respect is amazing. But I can see you going out and saying, hey, tell me tell me how I can help you as a founder, as an existing CTO, any of that you're going to get. I mean, people have got to be thrilled to be able to, you know, get in touch and, and get a little bit of help because it's it's tough. It's tough. Oh, it's tough. And so the other benefit I pulled from watching him that I didn't get from listening to him was learning that I can have 15 minute meetings. Like I don't have to, not every meeting has to be an hour. Yeah, an hour. Sure. Yeah. So I what I do is I have meetings and micro meetings on my schedule and, you know, I have a team that helps me with it, too. But I'll do seven to 15 meetings a day, Michael. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Right. And, 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 and like, what are they, who are they? Why, what, what, what are, what are you, what are you getting done in 15 minutes? Okay. So they're fit. We schedule them for 15 cause they end up, you know, I can get in and out in 30. So the, they, there's a wide variety, but they kind of fall into these categories. The first one is startup CTO looking for help. 
and there'll be the typical 12 to 15 pieces of advice you can give to them based on what, where their attention is focused. Right. And so there's, there's that there's the mid-level growth ones. Um, Ooh, a big one that's, un, that's kind of surprising is their company is growing and they're at that 12 to 20 person mm-hmm. stage. And they actually, they feel this need to step down from CTO and move into product because oh, they don't love it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's a big one. Um, another one's like when they're in the 40 to 60 person stage and there's one or two things that they're still holding on to that they don't want to like process out. So I consider a company being, I go in and I'm doing this thing and I, as this, the founder have to come up with the, uh, the processes, create the processes, understand them, and then automate them until I grow to a point where I have enough people that are automating their own processes as you know, when you get into the higher level range. Um, but it's basically me finding out what works and then having people do that. And then as it builds cash flow builds, you can hire really great people who can then replicate and build process like you can. Yep. So you'll find that, um, in my experience, you, you, people will get into the 40 to 50 person area and there'll be a process or two that they're holding on to that they don't want to automate. That's keeping them from uh, being able to experience hyper growth or like really go farther. So like some people, they're like scared about an internal tool that they don't want to let go. Like they're, they feel like all the success was because of this one specific attribute. And so they're keeping their head and they're keeping their attention in that. And then they have to ignore the business technology type growth and kind of shut that out so they can go work on it and maintain it. And so that's something that's happened. That's probably more on my mind this week because it's happened twice. It doesn't happen a lot, but it's, it's super interesting because I'm, I'm part of a a CTO network here in the city and we meet once a month and it's a bunch of phenomenal, phenomenal operators. And it's funny to hear you say that because a lot of the conversations are around, okay, I'm getting to this point. I have to start letting go of things. Okay. I'm really big and you know, uh, I'm not exactly sure what to do next. I, I'm, get, I'm getting into having to do things that I'm not necessarily good at or interested in. And then we, we've, had, we've had a bunch of conversations with guys. But people come, people come in and out of the group, you know, depending on whether or not uh, they've you know, started a new company or are just not interested in the role anymore. And, and we've had people who've come along and said, you know, uh, I've decided that um, I, I've sort of, quote unquote, you know, uh, hired my way out of my own job. And I, I'm bored now. I, I do like this high-level architecture stuff, but I, I want to go back to the beginning. Um, but but I, I I definitely like I've heard a bunch of stories that are very consistent with what you're saying. Yeah. Well, they can also they can innovate inside their own company again. Just take it from a different angle. Like they innovated up and out of their current role, but they can take that business and expand it and redo it within that same business. They don't have to go start an entire new business. They can just look at their business in an entirely new way. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say that I, I think my, I think my response to that would be, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a, like a good relevant uh, example is that, you know, that there's this pressure from the, from the other founders or the non-business or the non-tech founders of like, okay, you need to now run the team and manage. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. usually the path is like, you're either going to manage or you're going to go do some architecture thing. But I do, I do love the idea of being able to put yourself in a position, certainly with your partner to say, listen, Things are moving. We've got lots of people that are managing stuff. What we did together to start this business, I'm now going to do again within the business. Yes. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure lots of partners would recognize that and be like, okay, what does that mean? But, but it's a fascinating thing for me to think about. If it were like, hey, Ben, remember what we did back then? Look, man, we're not, Resi's 90 people now. We're just going to keep growing. But hey, we, we've got this amazing system. Tons of teams were operating. What can, not, not that you should pull away as a CEO, you've got a lot of stuff to do, but what can I start to do that sort of, you know, that, that sort of startup-y mentality within these walls? 
to go to the next level. I think we're doing that well at 90 on the product side, but 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 also interesting to your point. Like I'm getting to the point where I'm saying, okay, I have to start to pull myself out of sort of the day day to day, you know, coding and and operations in that respect, which I'm which I'm working toward for the middle of the year. Well, you can also, you know, go develop relationships with these. Other, you were saying one of the big things is international expansion. Well, there's CTOs at these companies that have those five and ten thousand, you know, groups of users or restaurants connected. You out there building relationships with those, yep. having a product architect experience, developer experience. You're the best person to sell them on the qualifications of Resi and the partnership, right? Yeah, for for sure. And we and we we spend. You know, my, my philosophy has, has always been just don't say no to any partnership. If somebody right. calls and says, hey, I, I'd love to. Sure, let's have the conversation. I, you know, I think some people look at some of the integrations we have and they, and they question whether or not we're being, you know, we're, we're giving important information to a competitor. And uh, we don't look at it that way. Like if, I, if, you, if we happen to be competitive on a product, but I'm providing you value and the restaurant wins, great. So, so I like that. I like the idea of saying, I mean, I, I do it already, maybe not quite as consciously as I should based on, you know, what we just talked about, but I do like the idea of going out and saying, look, I'm really good at this. I know how we should integrate. I know how the business should operate. I know what the, 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 the stack and the universe should look like in hospitality tech. Um, I should go build those relationships and, and, and talk people through, you know, becoming part of Resi. Yeah. You, you got to give them the sample of you, right? Like it's, um, if you're out there holding samples in the mall, like of the food, if you're not giving the person the actual sample of the meal they're going to get, then you're just creating an extra step and, you know, going to kill your pipeline. But if you're out there talking to them about you, then they're going to say, you're going to get people that say, I like Mike and I just yeah. want to integrate. I want to find an excuse to integrate with them. I happen to have this massive, you know, <laughs> restaurant industry business. I really like Michael. Like, and now, you know, you're, your role has changed to where you're out meeting and interacting with these great technology leaders of people who have the potential to partner with you. Yeah, and I and I appreciate that. In the pa- in the past, we've done that. I've 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 tried to you know I've tried to be very open and honest about those kinds of relationships. We're we're not threatening here. We're not looking to, you know, like form a tableau when we first did the integration, I think was a little nervous. Wait, I'm giving you all of my restaurants and their phone numbers and all this stuff. What's to stop you from going right around me and starting to use that as a list to call on, to close on my, you know, to convert my customers to yours. And, and we, you know, we, we've always been very straightforward. Like that's not the kind of business we are. It's not what, you know, we'd, we'd rather consider acquiring you before, you know, doing something to hurt your business or stab you in the back. And so I, th- I think, I think I communicate that well, cause it's quite frankly, the kind of relationships I want to have. Right. I'm, I'm, I'd be very happy to be considered, you know, the guy who brought a lot of amazing people together in the hospitality technology industry over, you know, the, the guy who quote unquote, just runs it or leads it. I, I want there to be these amazing partnerships between Resi and restaurants and Resi and POS vendors and POS vendors and restaurants and the whole thing. Um, just so that everyone, everyone's working on cool stuff and we're, and we're moving the tech on the stuff forward. Yeah. It's, you got to point them at the bigger carrot is what I do. Whenever I've had integrations with people and they're concerned about data, I'm like, oh, you're looking at that carrot, right? Now look at that carrot. (laughs) That's where I'm going. I'm going over here. And if I'm trying to fight and scrap over this carrot, then my attention's there, but I'm over here and they're like, whoa, that's a big carrot. Let's do it. You know, yeah. our, 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 our RGS is the very large carrot that we've, uh, that we put into the world on, uh, on Tuesday. Oh man. Along with like four other absolutely massive improvements to the business. I mean, I like it. And looking at your business to that conversation, going in new and fresh, like one of my favorite people um, recently is Adrian Jura and they have 600 
developers, game developers are the largest gaming mobile, like iPhone, Android gaming company in the world. A lot of people buy it and rebrand their games as like theirs, right? So they're making like the real high quality HD games. And he's always telling, he co-founded that as a, with his, with his friend as a night and weekend startup about seven years ago, right? Now there's 600 game developers. It's crazy. And what they've had to invent their own technology to make their games better and do some really innovative stuff. And one of the conversations I was having with him the other night on email back and forth was his ability to continually readjust how he valued his effort and his work over time as the company grew, because, you know, he's looking at get commits and features when he's, you know, at the beginning. And now it's, then he's looking at the quality engine, like the types of tests he's creating to find the best quality engineers when he's in his mid growth stage of 50. Right. And then he's at a hundred and 200, three or 500. And then it's like, he's, he's constantly changing how he looks as his business is what's the, where he needs to be applying his time. Yeah, look, I, I I love that, and I find it super interesting because I've been through that. You know that 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 whole transition was very hard for me the first time at Community Connect. It's gotten easier over time, but 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 it but it's always very interesting. I think a little a little difficult sometimes to try to mentor somebody through that. But you know, a lot of times, hey, this is what I love. I happen to love programming, so the transition out of programming for me is tricky. Some people don't love programming; they actually like managing, so they're very excited to get to the stage of. Some people like growth. They really love, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm fascinated with that, um, with, with sort of figuring out, okay, how do you explain to people and help people through the transition? And sometimes you, you know, and I, I'm certainly guilty. I, I have my passion, the things I love and the things I don't. So I, I'd like to think that I know what I'm really good at and where my gaps are. But you meet a lot of people and you start talking to them. And after a while, I'm like, oh, yeah, you really don't like managing people. You really like to program, but you're the CTO. And now you've got to go to the next step. What do you do? Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're, I would say I'm certainly going through that transition as we go from 90 to 100 and, and, and beyond uh, people. And then a bunch, of the, a bunch of my right-hand folks are going through it, too. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, listen, you, you, you need to have a team of three engineers. And I know that that's not eight, but it's enough to start pushing around how you have to think about what you do every day. Right. And it's also like you're limited by your creativity. You can make a, you can pay attention to your happiness and make a list. You can say, I like writing some code. So here's how, here's how I'm going to satisfy that need of mine while still growing forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I am, uh, I have, I have committed uh, to, to getting myself out of the day-to-day development. I, I, I love it. I do a bunch of it today. But we are we are in such the growth rate has been uh, incredible to be part of and and you know sometimes scary at the same time. But we're we're hiring a ton of people and it's time to sort of sit back and say okay I've I've got to start to nurture a, a much larger team than we have today. So are you mostly in house or remote or what's your mix right now? Yeah, so so I I have a lot of strong philosophies about this stuff as we uh, as we get into some of these topics. I I cannot advise people to, to do remote work. So everyone is here in New York. We have a very specific, I, I don't allow people to work from home. Come in, do your work, get in and out. But, but the, 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 everyone in the same room, the speed of communication, the face-to-face communication, the collaboration, I just learned over the years that you get more done, it's quicker, it's better. You sound like you get a lot of flack for it, the way you're presenting this idea. <laughs> because, because it's not, you know, 
you know, you, you have companies that are now like we're fully distributed. We don't have a single office anywhere. I, I think I think that's I think that's a thing lately, and and it's an odd thing to me because I, you know, as part of the CTO group, we've we've sort of we've helped a lot of people through, you know, one very large company in particular. Oh, we've acquired six companies all over the world with different specialties that are relevant to us, and we're having this problem with speed and quality and performance and management. Like, of course you are. You have you have these massively distributed teams, different languages, different time zones. So, so I, I, I do think people think of it as very strange. I, I get that impression. And then, you know, developers are used to, uh, well, you know, I can work from anywhere. So if I want to work from home, I should be able to work from home. And if I want to just take a trip to, you know, Montreal and work out of Montreal for a week, I should be able to do that. And I, I don't, that's not how we roll here. So all of our developers, but one, the, the, the first engineer we hired, a phenomenal individual who moved uh, w- with the love of his life to LA. And we said, look, we're going to give it a shot and we're going to see how it works. Uh, everybody else other than that is here in New York. So a couple things, because I've had experience like across the board. I'm sure you have too. That's why you came up with the fact that you like them all in person. Um, so first of all, I am on the side of being in person. And, but here's, here's a couple points that I've learned as to why I have this preference. The first one is the culture takes on the people you're physically around, like it spreads like wildfire. So yep. if you're in the room, you, people feed off my energy, right? They literally, I can walk in and they can be all down and then I will just boom, bring, bump everyone back up. Being able to recognize energy and pull it up or down is one of the qualities you and I have as leaders. Like you can just, you walk in your room, boom, you just know you can craft it however you'd like right the second and, and you can't do that even a tenth of as effective when you're remote you yeah. just can't you're, you your appearance your presence in a slack channel isn't going to do that the way it's going to do like when i can hear your voice and and see you moving around in front of me right yeah yeah and i i, I think i think what we hear a lot from from our from our developer in la is you know all of those side interactions that you're not involved in, but you're hearing about matter so much for building culture and learning about what are the expectations of the other people of me, of Mike, of me? How does Mike interact with non-engineers? How does he talk to partners? I think when you miss out on that stuff, A, I think you make a lot of assumptions around what is actually happening and how things run. And sometimes those are good and sometimes those are bad. But you just miss out on this. That that to me is a lot of the culture building. You know, how do people operate? How do they talk to each other? Uh, When do they come in? When do they leave? You know, when when the things are tough, how do they operate? When things are great, how do they operate? I think when you miss out on that, you you fundamentally miss out on, on, you know, like essentially what makes resi resi. Yeah. We're monkey see, monkey do computers. Like, like if I'm walking the, the culture at the office, like if I'm walking across the office and I decide to pick up the piece of trash versus walk right by it and look at it, my team sees that. Of course. You know, and like I was reading Ray Dalio's book principles. I don't know if you've come across that one yet, but he, he mentions that specific example and he's like, look, everyone sees what you're doing and that is setting the culture. It's not happening in a meeting. Like they see that they see when everything that you do and that determines your, your company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's certainly, you know, that, that's, that's the one thing that's, that's led it for me. And the other one was just, you know, and I, I have, a I have, this is also like, I can't believe I'm going to go on the record and say this, but I, I have, a, I have a real issue with Slack as a communication tool also, you know, I, and it's this, this started with email, but you know, the number of times you'll go back and forth on an email, trying to figure something out. 
And then you just say to people, hey, that's the eighth time you've gone back and forth. Can you guys just get together and talk or call each other? And you've got resolution in 30 seconds on the phone. And so I just, you know, being able to look over someone's shoulder and debug something on a screen or do a quick code review. Oh, look, you just forgot the parenthesis there. You're done. You know, that took 30 seconds. I, that's how I operate. I want to move really fast. I, so I, I don't love the stuff that gets, you know, everyone says, oh, I read your email. You know, why were you assuming that tone? Email doesn't have tone. People read email. And the state that they're the, in. Yeah, yeah, the state they're in with the, vo- the voice <laughs> in their head. Like, and then all of a sudden it's triggered like this horrible sort of, you know, the relationship's a little off. Does he like me? Just, just call each other. Hey, man, what's up? Good. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, we have this problem. Let's resolve it. What do you think? What do I think? Great. That's the solution. We're done. And I've, I've gotten really tired of watching people just go, you know, play ping pong on email and Slack. Like it drives me nuts. No, that's, so one of the things we have here is my office. I call us the family and we are, I went to the furniture store and bought two nice long dining room tables. Like, they, oh, nice. yeah, they're like nice wood. They look, they look modern and cool. And we bought two of them and we stacked them together. We got three computers on each side and that's our team. Here is the benefit of that because I've never done it like this. The benefit of this is that every call I have, every podcast I have, every phone call I have, every meeting that I have, everyone can hear everything, which yep. means the amount of time spent on relaying communication if we were in separate boxes, right, is tremendous, tremendous overhead to an organization relaying communication. Now, obviously, there's I'm not saying that this is how you would have a hundred person organization, but for me right now at this stage, while we're creating the processes that will be scaled, this is very beneficial for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and and I don't, I don't, I have, I have another great example of that. We have a new, a new employee who sits right near me and he was having a conversation with somebody else about how something should function. And, you know, like I heard immediately, okay, they're, they're, they're unaware of, 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 of a bunch of stuff that I know really well and being able to sort of just pick that up. Hey guys, let me just help you out really quick that it should do this, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, the amount of time I just, I just cut off of, of, you know, of them going down the wrong path and building out a whole product around an assumption that wasn't correct. But, but I don't, I don't, I don't fancy that being the way Resi runs forever. We have an office, you know, we acquired a company in Spain, so we've got an office in Spain, we've got an office in London. Uh, you know, we, we have Airbnb, they've been incredibly gracious in, in welcoming us anytime we go there, we, we welcome them every time they come here. But I, I, I do believe at some point we've got to be, you know, we've got to be a little bit more distributed, have, have dev centers. Uh, have the opportunity to have dev centers around the around the world, but my goal there is to be able to give an employee an experience. Hey, you ever been to Spain? No, cool. Why don't you go spend a week there and we'll work out of our office? Um, you know, check things out at night, hang out with the local staff. Uh, go, go. Obviously, go try the restaurants. But I, 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 I see us going forward with that, and and it's going to be interesting. Just you know, like I, I had I had outsourced teams at at Community Connect, but it'll be interesting to sort of understand. Okay, how do you? When you have a very, you know, an important large group of people remotely, and we do today, and how do you keep them really well plugged in and the communication flowing and everybody sort of knowing each other and, and communicating at a, at a pace that sort of supports the speed you want to move the business at? Right. So one of the ways I've seen large teams do that is um, they will put, like have the team all work on a specific area of it and then be really imp- careful about who the leader is and make sure that the leader is emitting the culture just like the founders would. And then that's how they were able to, to scale um, in physical new locations that were in different places. 
Yeah. But that's the hard part though, because those people are the really yeah, rare. They're the, hard, right. they're the hard, they're the hardest people to find. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I spend a lot of time hiring. I spend a lot of time obsessing about hiring mm-hmm. and I, uh, I, I, I love to meet people where I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that feels a little bit like how I approach the world. And I really like that. So is that one of the biggest things? What are like the top two or three things that come to mind when you're hiring people? Like, like what's like right off the top of your head? Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very specific and on record about, you know, speed being, you know, the baseline for me, because I'm, I just believe in it is, is, is having a computer science degree, not because I want you to have a college degree, but I want you to have spent four years studying in the engineering discipline. And if you have an engineering degree related degree, I'm, I'm happy with that too. That's the baseline for me. After that, the, the most important thing is that you're fast. And I, I, I think, you know, gauging whether or not someone is fast in an interview is much harder than you'd think. You know, can they type? Yes. Do they know how to find answers to questions quickly? Sometimes it's just a matter of what kind of things do you type into Google? It is. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? And, and but but that's I think I think that's the, the one thing that I obsess about more than anything uh, is speed. And then I really want I, I just I want to work with cool people who understand the urgency. I don't want stressed out people. I don't want mean people, but I want people who understand that, you know, we're a startup. And even when we're not a startup, you know, the, the job, computer programmers think that their job is to write code. And that is not a computer programmer's job. A computer programmer's job is to ship code. And there's an extraordinary difference between writing code and shipping code. And to me, shipping code is about speed given given a number of constraints so i really obsess about people that can understand that urgency do it really quickly be cool about it be competent about it be professional about it um and you know that's we we say no more than we say yes and sometimes we've turned people away that you know like there are a couple of people we turned away that i really regretted for a couple of days after <laughs> i by the way i'm, I'm going to quote you on that not the regretted people thing but the, <laughs> the job is to is not to write code it's to ship code yeah and it, it's it, i that's i'm not being cute like I, no no, no. A lot it's of people, good man it's like i i resonated with that like in my soul because it yeah. just sounded really really good a lot, a lot of yeah and a lot of people say oh you know mike you know you're so fast you know how, how do you do that it's it, it's just it, it is literally just a I am fast. I type fast. So I always, you know, I tell people if you're a computer program, like you should be able to touch type, whatever. You should know your environment, right? I use Vim. I know seven commands in Vim, but I know them incredibly well. They, they get me through my day most of the time. But I just, you know, I, I just understand that, you know, you can write code for days and days and days. And if I, you know, the, the really good engineers understand that I, I have to get to a place and it, sometimes it requires a lot of compromises. I have to get to a place where I say, I'm done. This needs to now go out and I'm going to learn a ton for, and I'm going to find bugs and that's okay. And then I'm, I'm just going to keep shipping really fast. And so I, I, I think I don't, I don't necessarily know that I'm a better programmer than some of the people that work here that I've hired, but I'm probably, I'm certainly the fastest. I ship more code than anybody I know. Yeah. I used to tell people like, I'm the least distracted programmer you're going to meet. I'm the least distracted programmer yeah. you're going to meet. <laughs> if I needed to do that, I don't start thinking, well, when we, it needs to, like you can, all right, keeping something simple is the most difficult thing to do in this universe, period. I don't care if you're building an app or a business plan, whatever you're doing. Keeping it simple is the key. Like if you can say, I need something that does X and you not creep your own feature like instantly, and you can yeah. actually tip that I need it to do X 
and then, you know, one of the tricks I use is look at it from the customer's perspective. Like, is the button on the screen, can the action be performed? Yeah. Okay. Well then just make that happen first, then worry about everything else later. But, 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 but no, no, we just ship the feature, like get it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you know, the struggles, you, you know, you're, you're building something and you're like, Oh, look, I, there's this other thing I can do. And, and I, you know, that I can, I can write this that I think is innovative and cool. And I'm going to, I'm going to go do that, even though it's not, you know, the core thing we want to build and ship. And I think, I think the best engineers know how to avoid all those distractions to your point. They don't, you know, I think, I think the really good, the really, really good ones know this is an innovation and I have to push this up the chain. This is a distraction and I'm, I'm going to, put it on my personal list of things to maybe think about or implement, but I'm not going to, it's not going to take away from the fact that I'm just going to ship this code out. Oh, that in, in one of the disclaimers I always give to people is I'm not preaching saying that like, I thought of this and like, I'm the best. I frustrated myself into learning this. I spent the better part of a decade not doing this. (laughs) And then the the last seven years of my life, I did do this. And that's when I started like really getting things to work and making money and, and like yeah. growing teams. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sounds like it sounds like you and I have had a very. I, I don't consider myself the fastest learner in the world, and so, you know, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't. I also don't want to be like a, a stuck stoic old man. But I spent <laughs> a lot of time getting really good at this, and you know, there's a fine line between sort of convincing people that I'm that I'm right by virtue of experience and sort of letting them learn it themselves. Um, but but I'll tell you the other thing I, because I, I like to talk about this a lot that we obsess about here is. Um, you know, we, we don't, we, 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 we look at people's resumes very carefully. So we will not poach anyone or uh, unless they've approached us on their, on their own, uh, of their own volition, uh, anyone that has been in a job for less than 12 months, because we look very specifically about how much people jump from job to job. So mm-hmm. if you've had nine jobs in the last five years, Resi is going to pass on you. You, <laughs> you got to do, yeah, you got to work you know, on yourself so, a bit. So, yeah, you gotta like you gotta stick around, show some loyalty, you know. So we 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 spend a lot of time looking at resumes and really finding the right person that we like. And then I tell people all the time we don't salary negotiate here. So that 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 means that you're gonna tell me what you want to make, and that's what I'm gonna pay you. And so we don't. Well, you know, we like you, but we don't think you're worth X. We think you're worth like five or ten grand less than X. And because we, we, we want to hire, you know, we want to hire people and be additive to their career and their resume and pay them what they're, what they're worth. Um, it's led to a lot of uncomfortable conversations with recruiters, but, but you know, I th- we, we just have an amazing team. We found what works and you're doing more of it. We are, I found what works. I'm doing more of it. And I'm, I am quite frankly, I think avoiding, you know, I, I'm making up for all the, uh, horrible things I did as an up and coming CTO manager. <laughs> You're in right my and wrongs, Mike. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to make up for it. Oh, so if people want to find, this is fantastic. You're like, this is an amazing conversation. I really like you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. So if people want to find out more about you, they want to look you up, what would be the best way you, you more on LinkedIn, Twitter, where, where do you hang out? But either, either or both Twitter okay. at Michael Montero, LinkedIn, Michael Montero, um, certainly, you know, if you're in, if you're in the hospitality tech space, we'd, we'd love to talk. Um, I, I, I really do try to give my ear to CTOs and founders. I, 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 you know, I've done a lot of work and been offered advisor agreements and said, you know what, man, keep the agreement. I don't need the equity. I just want to help you. Um, I, you know, I, I'm definitely giving back because a lot of people gave to me. 
So um, I saw the Techstars thing. You were doing some mentoring with Techstars. I yeah, I love I love working with those guys. I went through the program with CrowdTwist, so I I know I know all angles of it. Um, I love helping entrepreneurs. I, I have found that being I have found that being a, a CTO mentor is a little tough. If you know, I, I think two things play into that. One, a lot of CEOs aren't trained to do their job. If that makes any sense, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and then, so so they're just like, you're a CTO and you're going to help me. I don't get it. And then CTOs, the, the, and and this is what I love about what we do. Like we, by nature, we solve problems. So. I often find people a little bit reluctant to come and say, Hey, I need you to help me with this very specific problem. Cause we just love solving them. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's an interesting one for me. I, you know, I'd say, I'd, I'd say that, the, that, you know, I probably help fewer companies through, through tech stars than most mentors. Um, but I believe when I do, I'm, I'm, I'm significantly more additive. Yeah. I mean, because you can't take somebody somewhere where you haven't been. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, some, and sometimes, quite frankly, like, the, the, you, you know, this as well as I like it, sometimes it's just a very particular tech innovation that matters, you know, like, and you, you help people cut that corner off and it, it makes all the difference. Mike, I, I'm so glad I came across you. <laughs> You're a great, I, you that. I like it when I find people that are like, you know, uh, we, where we have commonalities and share similar ways of doing things. I, it's almost like, Hey, you've been hanging out in this place called life and you've, you found like the same things to be true as me. Let's, let's learn more from each other. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I really appreciate you reaching out and I'd, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help, please take a moment right now to open up the iTunes app and leave a review of the podcast. If you take a screenshot of the review and text it or email it to a friend who needs to listen to the podcast and then CC me, joel at moderncto.io. If you CC me on the email, I'll send you a copy of the Modern CTO book or give you a shout out on the podcast, whichever you prefer. We're trying to get listed on the top 100 for iTunes and I need your help in order to do this.